we've been uh, talking. I, I think what I'm going to teach you this evening, if you bear with me, and let me look at the time so I don't get carried away, is a really, really important truth that will make a massive difference in your life. Um, in fact, I really think that for some of us, some of this truth in our Christian living, if you're going to follow Christ for the rest of your life, some of these thoughts will carry you well if you understand them in your life. So they're really important. I think there's seven points, but probably three of them are the key points that I want to make. Um, across the church, um, we've been studying the book of, um, of Joshua, but not really just Joshua. We've been studying the story of Jericho and, and the falling of the walls. And what we've been talking about is problems and difficulties like the walls of Jericho, which we face and we believe. And when we face a problem, that there are principles, spiritual principles we can do to help see that problem, those walls, those difficulties come tumbling down. You all know the story from Sunday school, so I won't have to go through that. And if you don't even know the story, some of you will know. It's a story as Israel comes into the promised land. One of the first battles they had was the city of Jericho, perfectly situated in between the, uh, the Mount Nabal range of mountains, the central range of mountains, the Dead Sea to the south. And this was an ideal spot. And the points I've made through the series are these, and let me just run through them. First of all, when we look at the wall and we look at the problem, the danger is is the problem grows. But when we look at God and we look how great God is, the problem will shrink. If you get a vision of how great God is, that wall, that city, that problem that you face will shrink. So it's where we are looking and where we're going is what makes all the difference. Secondly, we talked about Rahab who lived in Jericho, who helped the spies. She was willing to jump on the promise of God, the plan of God and say, I'm going to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But she had to be willing to be obedient and trust God and follow God's instructions and the spies' instructions to get salvation for her household when the city walls came tumbling down. We have to be willing to be obedient, trust God, not give in to fear. And when we live in obedience to God and know that it's God's plan that we're living our lives to, you will see obstacles and problems and walls come crashing down. The third area in the story of Jericho is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box, actually about five times bigger than this little area here, but usually the communion tables here. And, and it's about that size and it carried the presence of the Lord. And when we are facing problems and we are facing challenges, and we are facing difficulties in life, what we need to learn to do is to step back and say, Lord, I want your presence to come into my life. Bring the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit into that problem and into that difficulty. 
You see, the holiness of God is not something to be afraid of. The holiness and the glory and the power of God is something that each of us should long to touch. We should all long to touch the very presence, the very holiness, the very power of God. And if the Christian faith is about anything, it's about that we now have entry into the presence and the holiness of God. And we can touch, as it were, where angels fear to go. We can know the presence and the holiness of God. Wow. I've experienced that. You've experienced it. Many of you have experienced that touch of the holiness of God. Holiness happens when wholeness comes. You see, when I've allowed Jesus to heal my lustful heart and I'm free from the lusts of this world, I become holy. But it is about wholeness. When I let Jesus heal me of my insecurities, I become whole and I become holy. When I allow Jesus to deliver me of jealousy and anger and lying and whatever issue I am battling with, he makes me whole and suddenly I experience a true sense of holiness. But holiness comes as we engage in the glory of the presence of God in our lives. So these are some of the thoughts. But right here in the story, there's a moment when the Lord gives instructions in, in Joshua chapter, chapter 6. And these are the words that he says. He says, get ready if you're looking in Joshua, Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings, its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this six times. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout and then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. Those are really specific instructions to bring down to bring down the walls. And the first thing I really want to remind you is, is that there's a lot of numbers in that scripture. There's, there's seven priests, um, uh, seven days, march around seven times, but don't march around seven times until the seventh day and then give a large shout and the walls will come tumbling down. A perfect number. This is what I want to talk about. God's got a perfect number for your life when that problem is going to be solved. Let me remind you something else. The Christian life is a life of victory. You and I are not defeated. I don't know what you're facing this evening, but we are a people of victory. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you. When you have a problem and you are facing difficulties, I want to remind you that the Lord will fight on your side. Whatever you're facing, God is for you. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Think about that. God's on your side. He loves you. But our part is, I've got to be willing to be humble. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. 
It's not arrogance. It's not self-righteousness. It's not being judgmental. It's not being driven by our egos. It's not being super spiritual. But the power of true Christianity, of victory, is laying our lives down and being a humble people. And when we're humble, we gain the victory. I don't care what the enemy throws at any of us. If we approach difficult people and difficult situations with humility, you will see the victory come into that situation. Why do I know that? Because humility is the way Christ ministered. Humility is the very essence of who Christ is. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. And John makes the same point. That we are overcomers. Overcomers of the world. Overcomers. Only the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's you. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you are an overcomer. That's what Scripture says. That problem you can overcome. That challenge in that life, you can overcome. That wall, that Jericho, which is high. Jericho was 26 foot high. There were two walls. It was a double-double wall. I call it a Tim Horton wall. Because you had one wall and then you had another wall. And it was a massive, massive uh, uh, feat to ever think of conquering Jericho. It was impossible, the idea of conquering it. But it's not impossible when you realize that God is on your side. And you can get that victory. So point number one is really realize God has a perfect number for you. You see, God said to them, march around for seven days. On the seventh day, march around seven times. Have seven priests go in front and take the seven ram's horns and blow them. And then at the same time after you've blown the horns and the trumpets as it were, then all give a mighty shout and the walls come down. God's pretty specific in his timing. You know, seven's quite an interesting number. Seven days of creation. Seven times around the walls of Jericho. Seven blessings of Abraham. What else is there? Let me think. Seven great parables of Mark's gospel, Matthew's gospel. Seven amazing miracles in John. If you get to Revelation, you've got seven churches, seven spirits, seven seals, seven angels, seven scrolls. You've got a lot of sevens going on. But the point isn't about how wonderful the number seven is. God seems to like it. The point is that when you are dealing with your problems, there is a day when that problem will find victory. And God knows the day. God knows the number when that problem will come to an end. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. You see... I knew one day that I would come to Canada and pastor a church in Canada. God told me that probably 33 years ago. I married Michelle and I said to her, oh, I really think we're going to go to Canada one day to pastor a church. I said, are you interested in this? She said, no. No? 
Oh, this, God's telling me to marry you, and you don't want to go to Canada. And one day, what am I going to do? Oh, God, how am I going to work this out? Crisis. Trust God. So we got married. I said to her, don't worry, love. On our honeymoon, we're going to go to three different spots. I've been booked to preach in Edmonton in February. You can experience Canada then. You'll love it. (laughs) It was minus 40 the day we arrived. On the front of the Edmonton Times or the newspaper, it said, minus 40, coldest place on the planet. She said, you want to move here? I said, I think God's telling me. She said, God's not telling me. Can't we? God's telling me San Diego. No. And, 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 she, and I say, but we've got to pray about it. She, and after a while, she said, stop talking about Canada. I know you're praying in secret, but don't talk about it. I said, I'm around. She said, what did you dream about the other night? We were just married. Canada. In the night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop telling me your dreams if they're about Canada. I don't want to know. I said, oh, we've got twins. They're little. They're just born. We're not going to Canada. Oh. But God had said to me, you will go. 5,110 days later to yesterday, we arrived nine years ago in Canada. God's perfect number was his perfect timing. It just took 5,110 days to get there. But I wouldn't have it any other way. You see, you've got a problem, you've got a difficulty. God's got the timing, God's got the number, God's got it right. You're going to see that breakthrough, you're going to see that promise, but it's in God's time, it's God's way, it's in God's time frame makes all the difference. Your eyes saw me unformed in the body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God knew the numbers of my life. The day I was born, he knows the day I will die. He knows the day I will see the promises. He knows the day I'll see that problem breakthrough. That problem may be solved in seven days, in seven weeks, seven months, seven years, or 70. I don't know. But God's got it. God's with you. God's got his timing. But you say to me, Pastor Phil, explain to me this. It seems a really long time sometimes when God doesn't seem to answer or he takes a long time to answer. I know when he answers it's right, but it's taken him a long time to get to it. And other times, have you noticed, God answers it instantly. Have you noticed that? It's like... Perhaps the older ones here have noticed that. There's a reason for this. And there's a great story in Exodus that says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Now, historically, the road they would have gone through the Philistine country was the quick hyper route to get to the promise. God did not lead them through that route, the quick moment, the fast food event, the quick route, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
So God led the people around the desert road towards the Red Sea. So they could have got shorter and quicker and took less steps, less days to get where they were going. But God took them on a longer route because he knew that they might give up and turn around. And sometimes some issues are not answered Because God knows that if you go the short route, you're not going to learn what God wants to teach you. And God takes you the longer route. Because if you go the short route, you might end up back in Egypt and something might happen. But God takes you what fills the long route because he wants you to get where he wants you to go because he loves about you. Does that make sense? God's got the plan. And so when we're looking at the challenge, we've got to trust God's timing in everything. The length of your battle or your journey should in no way lead you to believe that God has forgotten about you or that there has been a glitch in that GPS. There's no glitch in God's plan for your life. God's got it. He knows the time and the person you're going to marry. He knows when that problem's going to be solved. He knows when that job and that career is going to begin. He knows when that loved one is going to come back to Jesus Christ. He knows when that prayer is going to be answered. He knows when that marriage is going to be saved. He knows when God's going to move and work. God's timing, when we let God in, is pristine. It's magnificent. But this is important for us to remember. Because there's a lot of gospel preachers, some, who like to preach nothing but sunshine. And that the spiritual life is like a big cocktail party. Everything's awesome. Everything's like Legoland song. Everything's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. No, it's not. Because sometimes life really is difficult. True? I mean, you may not go through, but it is really difficult. It is tough. It is hard. It is, at times, really hurts. There is pain. There is breaking. There is grief. But sometimes know that the definition of victory may be and not be the definition from God's definition. Your definition may be this. God's victory is this. Look at the cross. Is that a picture of victory? No way. But we know that the pain, the suffering, now to the cross is a picture of God's victory. Because we know that on the third day he rose again, right? But when Jesus was traveling through the pain, people would look on and say, well, there's no victory there, no Messiah there. He's useless. Look at that. A naked, bleeding, dying man on the cross. But that's God's definition of victory. And sometimes you think, I'm going through this valley of the shadow of death. I'm going through this pain. I'm going through these problems. And you come out of it. You think, it doesn't feel like victory. But you come out the other end through the difficult circumstance. And you look back and you rejoice in that dark period. Because God did so much within you. Because what does God do when you go through difficult times? God cultivates character in you. 
And God cultivates obedience in you. God cultivates trust in you. God cultivates spiritual growth in you. And I've discovered that the challenges of life are often the very best way that God cultivates a great, a great faith within you. See, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been hit by God's power on the floor. Boom. I've been wiped out like a tsunami with his love. And there have been amazing moments. At times I've prayed and I've felt like I'm almost touching, uh, like Paul, the seventh heaven. For a moment I get a glimmer. But I have grown the most spiritually when I have been through the most challenging times. That's the truth. That's when I've, I've really, when I've walked the way of the cross and it's been tough and I've come out the other end and experienced the breakthrough, I know that God has formed my character through those tough times. Don't give up on Jesus when life seems to go wrong. Keep going. Keep going. Don't do that. The length of your battle or your journey should in no way lead you to believe that God's GPS, I've done that, his definition. Let me just give you, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured what? The cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross and eventually he reached the glory of God. And for many of us, we endure a battle in life, but we get the breakthrough and we get to the glory of God. We experience that. Paul himself said, I've got a thorn in the side. We don't know what this thorn was. He said, Lord, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Three times, but God never took it away. You don't hear a lot of sermons on this. And then he had to give up and say, your grace is sufficient. This problem is a pain But in my weakness, in my brokenness, you are strong. The way to experience God is to die to self. The way to experience God is to say, I'm done. I'm done with my selfishness. I'm done with my ego. I'm done with my own ambition. I'm done with my judgment. I'm done with my harshness. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I want Jesus. That's what I want. And he battled. Third point. And I think I'm on about 22 minutes. Treasure the learning process. That's what I tried to explain to you. That when you're marching around Jericho and it's not collapsing, treasure every step that God has on you as you go through that journey. Treasure the growth. Treasure what God's growing in your life. Treasure how God is working within you. Treasure the journey. The lessons that you learn. Do you remember when you were small, like little kids? I mean, I mean, uh, 
like Mark and Chelsea's kids, they're all gorgeous, aren't they? Like he's got, how many you got now? Eight? Um, five? Four? That's a prophecy, no. Um, I can't wait. I love seeing them anyway, but I can't wait when they're all sort of that, all that. I mean, you've got one that's just like born, but they're running around. We love our, our little kids in church, and it's Christmas morning, and they are so pure, they're so holy, your kids, they're little. So you go, Chris, depends if you're German or English. Is it, is it like nighttime or morning you open your presents? Praise the Lord. So you go, we're going to open our presents. And the kids are like, yeah, oh, mommy, mommy, Chelsea, mommy, mommy, Mark. Awesome. And they get around, they open up their presents. Fast forward to 10 years. They're now 12, 13, 14. You know your mom's got the presents for you, and what do you do? You tear the house to pieces to find them. Am I wrong? Am I wrong, Sydney? Am I wrong? No? You know it. You all know it. You tear the house to pieces. Because you don't want any surprises. You want to know what's going on. Jesus said we've got to become like little children again. You're on the journey towards the day of God's breakthrough, his blessing, his present, his gift. Don't spoil the journey by always trying to find the answers. God's got that special day when you will see it and you'll know it. See it. Oh, that's why. I've learned something here. Until the right time. But God's always got the right time. God's always got that time. There is no better plan than the one our Heavenly Father has established. There is no better lesson than the one He desires to teach us. He loves it. And for some people, they've got to wait a long time. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. He had to wait until he was 80 to do it. That gives you hope, doesn't it, sir? Awesome. That gives me hope. I could be 80 and God's got the next generation for me to, oh, I love it. Well, President Reagan was what? You probably don't even know who he is. He was 70 when he became president. Laura Ingalls. You know Laura Ingalls? House of the... Yeah, yeah. Have you read the books? Is somebody giving me a high five? She was 62 when the first little house on the prairie was published. She had to wait a long time. I've got a confession. Oh, it's been filmed. I really had a big crush on Laura Ingalls' sister. Do you know who she is? The blonde. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, how old are you? 61. You're 61. Oh, yeah. You grew up with Laura Ingalls. Had to wait until those books were published. Abraham had to wait for his wife, Sarah, to become pregnant. Often there is a waiting time. But God... God knows. God knows what to do. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Teach me your ways. He's 80. That I may still find favour with you. 
God's timing is perfect. God's plan is working. You say, but why do you go through difficult times before a wall comes tumbling down? Why have I gone through grief and lost people I love? Why, why did I face those difficulties? Often we go through pain in life, humiliation and difficult situations so when you come out the other end, you can pay your comfort forward. Maybe you've been through a terrible broken relationship and now you can minister to people that have gone through terrible broken relationships. You can pay it forward. Maybe you've lost somebody so close to you and gone through grief that is so, so painful that you can't imagine you'll ever live again or breathe again and you've come through it but you've got a gift of comfort that will bless other people. Maybe you've gone bankrupt and you thought you'd never get a house again, you'd never get money again, you'd never do it again, but you've gone through that pain and you can comfort others. For some of you, you may not have gone through a pain like that. Maybe you've got a parent who's addicted to alcoholism, a parent who's got a real sickness, maybe you going through that difficulty, but as, this is what this scripture says. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Fabulous. But why does he comfort us? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. You've got trouble and you've been through pain. And God has given you a gift that when others are in the same pain, others are in the same trouble, you can comfort them. You've got victory over anorexia. You've got victory over bulimia. You've got victory over self-harm. You found victory over whatever. You can comfort others and you can help them. You can find comfort. And you can give comfort because you've traveled through that dark place. That's a real gift. There's whole groups of people you can bless because of the journey that you've been through. And people you can support. And people you can love. Because we learn to see the glimmers of hope. This is my fifth point and I'm going to finish. So I guess, but there are seven points in this sermon. The sixth point was this. Adopt an attitude of worship and praise always. Whenever Israel won a great victory in the Old Testament, they sent out the singers and the worshippers and they worshipped God. And worship was like a defensive, powerful weapon that drove back the enemy and we can never worship enough. And you've got a problem. Learn to worship your way through it. Put the shout in your worship. Look up to heaven and give God praise. Number seven. Always try and hear the trumpet sound from Joshua. 
But you see, the truth is, one day, every one of us who are Christians will hear the trumpet sound. Because the Bible teaches us that a trumpet will sound and the heavens will open and Christ will return. The dead will rise, Satan will be vanquished, the judgment will come, and it will come with a mighty blast of a trumpet. And I want you to live in this world now, but also remember that God's won the victory. That the trumpet will sound. God's got it. God's conquered it all. He conquered it with the cross and communion. And you and I, because of this, connect to the deepness and the glory and the presence and the wonder of God. This bread, in this juice, in its symbolic presence, we understand all that Christ has given to us. And as you take communion, focus on all that Jesus Christ has done and given. And adore him and connect with him and love him. And on the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed... He took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Remember. Remember. In the same manner, he took the cup and he poured it out, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant, which takes away the sins of the world. This is victory. Every wall comes tumbling down to the death of Christ and the blood of Jesus. Think on this. Glory in this. Come close to him.